and welcome to Project HR, a podcast dedicated to building better workplaces. Project HR is brought to you by Projections, an IRI company. IRI helps organizations navigate workplace challenges, improve employee engagement and productivity, manage labor relations, and implement effective communication strategies to achieve their goals. For more information, you can visit Projections online at projectionsinc.com. I am Jennifer Oroqua, Director of Business Development for IRI, and your host for today's episode of Project HR. At the time of this recording, COVID-19 vaccines have become a major element in corporate return-to-work strategies. The need for companies to protect the health and safety of their workforce, their customers, and their vendors is paramount. Keeping employees safe isn't just the right thing to do, it's also good for business. After all, the healthier our teams are, the more productive we can be. And as if all of that weren't enough, protecting the health of your workforce can also have a direct impact on your ability to remain union-free, as many unions have used the pandemic as a rallying point against employers who might not be protecting their employees as well as they should. For all of these reasons, it's time for your company to develop a clear corporate vaccination policy. And in this episode, we'll be talking with Megan Mitchell. Megan is a senior communications consultant for IRI Consultants and is not only supporting a wide variety of organizations to develop and communicate their vaccine policies, but she's done a tremendous amount of research on the topic. So we've invited her to join us on Project HR to get us up to speed on what we all need to know when it comes to our own vaccine policies. Megan, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So before we get started, I do want to mention that the issue of COVID-19 vaccinations is a charged one. But in this episode, we're not here to debate the vaccines themselves. Instead, we're here to talk about how to craft a vaccine policy that will help safeguard the health of your workforce as well as the legal health of your organization. So Megan, let's start out with the first question that gets asked whenever the idea of a vaccination policy comes up. Can an employer legally mandate vaccination as a requirement for employment? Yes, yes, they absolutely can. Both federal and state employment laws allow private companies to mandate vaccines. And this has actually been the case for many, many years now. Uh, It's just that not everyone may realize it because depending on what industry you're in, maybe your employers haven't really had the need to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. to this point. You know, we do a lot of work with healthcare employers. Mm -hmm. And in those settings, many of them have been requiring vaccination for infectious diseases like the flu, mumps, measles for years, because Mm -hmm. they've got, you know, vulnerable populations and patients that they're caring for. So they have to do that. So what we found actually, when we started talking about um, vaccinating for COVID was these people weren't really asking, you know, is this legal? They knew that their employers could, could mandate a vaccination, but Mm. they were asking, can they mandate it under an EUA or emergency use authorization? Meaning if the vaccine hasn't yet received full approval from the FDA, um, are they still allowed to require that we take it? And that was a big question for a while. We had never seen this before. And so in May, the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, or the EEOC, mm-hmm. released guidance saying that employers can, in fact, require COVID-19 vaccination for employees physically entering the workplace. So that was sort of the green light, or I should say a green light, um, because there were many, many, many lights that, mm-hmm. that employers are considering here. But it was certainly a green light for many employers to say, OK, we have the right to do this. Now we just have to assess whether or not we should. So the discussion of should we really begins with the Occupational Safety and Health Act of 1970, which says that employers must provide each worker, and I'm going to quote here, um, employment and a place of employment which are free from recognized hazards that are causing or likely to cause death or serious physical harm. And this pandemic pretty clearly falls into that category. So is it fair to say that regardless of how we feel about the vaccine, regardless of whether we actually intend to mandate a vaccine or not, we need to have a policy to address this obligation to protect workers, right? Yeah, look, I think um, 
this is such a charged issue and it is at the forefront of everyone's mind that they are being asked to go into a facility to work. Um, people are wondering, you know, where their employer stands on this. And so I think regardless of what your policy is going to be, whether or not you plan to require um, vaccination of your employers or, or anyone else who comes into your facilities, having a, a policy that clearly states your position and, and sort of sets those expectations for people is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not you are, you know, as an organization going to require vaccination of employees or anyone else, that answer is different for every organization. Mm-hmm. And they just need to consider, there are a lot of things that go into this decision, um, including what's your current vaccination rate? You know, we've been um, at this vaccination effort for months now. People mm-hmm. have had a long time, you know, at first there was a huge demand issue. There is not anymore. Um, so people have access to the mm-hmm. vaccines. So looking at your current rate of are employees doing this on their own or do you still have 50, 60 percent of people who remain unvaccinated? And if you do, do you understand why those people are unvaccinated? Are these people who feel really, really strongly against this? Are they scared? Do they want more time to to study the data? Mm -hmm. Um, Are they worried about what happens if they have to miss work because they've got side effects for a couple days? Understanding that and then creating a communication strategy uh, based on what those reasons are, where you can kind of target those different groups of people and um, maybe have one-on-one conversations and and try to get that number of voluntary vaccinations up a little bit. You know, that's certainly helpful. Um, Another thing to consider is at the end of the day, what's your worst case scenario and can you withstand that blow? For example, if 100% of the people who remain unvaccinated do leave your organization, if you decide to, to make this a mandate and say you must be vaccinated or you could lose your job, would you be able to sustain operations? Mm-hmm. Would you be able to recruit for replacements? You know, we have a lot of a lot of clients who are in a staffing crisis right now, and they've got thousands of open jobs. They're already mm-hmm, mm-hmm. looking for people, and so that's something that they've had to consider. Do we really think we can, you know, s- sustain operations um, and continue to keep the doors open if we do have people walk out? Mm-hmm. So. Just because a company has a vaccine policy, it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's got to get the vaccine or get fired. Can you can you spell that out for us? Sure. Yeah. Employers certainly have options here. I mean, it doesn't have to be a, a black or white, you must get the, the vaccine or you will be fired. There are some people, some organizations rather, who have said, okay, if you don't want to get the vaccine right now, we're going to ask you to participate in regular COVID testing. That way, you know, we're still taking the steps to make sure that we're preventing further spread of COVID within our mm-hmm. facilities and we're able to catch those asymptomatic infections um, by doing this, this testing on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on the field and, and the industry, organizations may say, okay, if you don't want to get the vaccine, you'll be you'll move to a full-time remote position that is certainly not possible in all industries again in healthcare that's that's not an option you need people at the bedside um, but there are some organizations where where that could work so in the introduction I alluded to some of the other benefits for companies in maintaining a vaccination policy can we talk a little bit more about those 
Yeah, I mean, from I think at the highest level or or the most general way to put it is people want clarity. It has been a really rough year and a half, almost mm-hmm. two yeah. years, right? Where everything in the news about the disease itself has evolved on, you know, in the beginning, an hourly basis. Um, We felt like we had it under control. Now we're dealing with these new variants. And Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of uncertainty about the disease itself and and guidance coming from, um, you know, the CDC and the FDA Mm -hmm. for good reason. That's not that is not to criticize these groups, Mm -hmm. you know, they are just following the science and, and making these recommendations based on the the information that they have at hand. Um, But because of that, organizations have sort of added to the whiplash, again, not through any fault of their own, but they're developing policies and guidance for their people based on these recommendations and what we know. And so people are just feeling like so up in the air and they're not Mm -hmm. sure what's happening. And so I think any step you can take as an organization to provide clarity and set expectations for your people, again, even if you have no reason to mandate it, uh, Mm -hmm. just to have the policy and writing. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the other thing I will say is this is going to continue to evolve. So right now, you know, it might be a to mandate or not mandate, but down the road, you know, we could be looking at booster shots for this and how is that going to work? And so this is a policy I think that will serve you into the future. Mm. And as HR professionals, you know, this is all familiar territory, sorting out reasonable accommodations for employees that need them. And this is really why these policies need to be formally stated. And and you kind of alluded to that a minute ago. You know, I think that is it important for the for your employees to see this? It's a it's a comfort level. Would you agree? Absolutely. It's a comfort level. Um, they're they're seeing what other organizations are doing in the press. They're hearing from their friends, oh, my mm-hmm. company just did this. Um, they're seeing, you know, different things on social media. And mm-hmm. they're all coming back internally and saying, what's our plan? You know, if, mm-hmm. if you haven't communicated to them yet, you're you're probably hearing this, you know, yeah. what what are we planning on doing? And even those organizations that we've worked with who have said, oh, don't worry, we're not planning a mandate anytime soon. People still want to see something in writing, even mm-hmm. if that changes, they want to, to see the formal policy. Yeah, which makes sense because you're marrying that with their their personal opinions and how they feel about things and um, having that sort of that baseline of this is what my company is doing, I guess, brings that that reassurance. Yep. All right, Megan, we're going to take a quick sponsorship break right now. But when we return, I want to discuss how to build a comprehensive vaccination policy. So stay with us. Thanks to this week's Project HR sponsor, LaborWise Leadership. LaborWise Leadership provides your frontline leaders with the knowledge they need to help you avoid third-party interference in your business. With this powerful online course, you'll teach your leaders how to create greater engagement while remaining union-free. Get your free trial at projectionsinc.com laborwise. And we're back with Megan Mitchell, Senior Communications Consultant with IRI Consultants. Now, Megan, who should be involved in building a vaccine policy? Well, no one wants to hear that, you know, you want to draft something by committee, but this is sort of one of those things where it's like the more the merrier almost. Mm -hmm. I mean, this policy touches so many 
departments and, and people and everyone in the organization, obviously, mm-hmm. that you really want, um, you know, leaders from all of your departments to have a seat at the table. So, mm-hmm. you know, in, in my experience, it's sort of best if you have the legal team uh at least co-leading this, you're mm-hmm. you're talking potentially, depending on how your policy is written, you're talking about um, possibly terminating employees or suspending mm-hmm. employees mm-hmm. without pay as a result of this policy, and so they should really be helping to to drive those conversations. HR obviously, you know, plays a huge role in all sure. policies. Um, their role here is is huge. Um, the compliance, you know, monitoring um, compliance of this policy, and then, you know, I mentioned this before, but unfortunately, if you if you see a huge chunk of your workforce walk out as a result of this, um, the recruiting strategy. You know, one mm. of the the most common questions that we get from leaders after we roll out something like this is not how could you do this? Most of them, for for the most part, we've found um, to be pretty supportive, but it's usually, okay, great. I'm glad we're taking this step. Do we have a plan in place to replace the 10 people on my on my team mm-hmm. or on my unit who haven't been vaccinated? You know, mm-hmm. I'm worried that they're going to leave. And then what do I do? And so making sure that you're that you've got at least some plan in place and that you're communicating with those leaders that you've kind of got their back mm-hmm. um, is really helpful. Depending on the the industry, employee health, you know, if you've got um, a department in your organization that manages um, flu vaccines for your employees or anything else, certainly this is, you know, every healthcare system has an employee health department. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably the ones who are going to be administering the vaccines. They may be the ones who are um, monitoring and reviewing and approving the exemption forms for medical exemptions. So they're mm-hmm. a huge, they play a huge role in this. And then obviously, Obviously, communications, making sure that you're um, providing very clear direction around the policy and being as transparent as possible, providing um, consistent follow-up communication as you approach deadlines for some of these things. Um, that's, That's a huge piece of this. And what about one thing you didn't mention was like executive leadership. Um, Should your leaders be part of building the the policy or should they just be told this is what we've come up with because they're not really um, privy to all the information that, that say your HR team and your legal team might have? So I, I will give you my answer just from my perspective of what I think works best, which is having the the sort of core stakeholders, legal HR communications um come up with a recommendation and and take it to executive Mm -hmm. leadership and say, this is what we think based on, you know, all of the data that we have and where we think this is heading. This is what makes sense for our workforce. And then Mm -hmm. kind of going from there, you know, certainly getting their input. Mm -hmm. You want support of your leadership team. You want support of your board if you have one Mm -hmm. um, so that they can be reinforcing this message and and helping you carry it through. But, um, but yeah, that is certainly the, process that I've seen work best. All right. Well, and on that note, you know, what should be included in the policy itself? Can you walk us through the different elements? Yeah. So again, this is going to really depend on the industry and and your workforce, but generally speaking, you're going to want to make sure um, it includes a few main components. And I apologize if this seems obvious, but (laughs) (laughs) we have worked on some policies um, where, you know, not all of these 
these components were included in the first round. So, mm-hmm. so the first one is what is it? You know, I, I mentioned earlier there are a couple different variations uh, that this could take on. And so it's, it's not necessarily a get vaccinated or get fired. That might be it, but it might be get vaccinated or participate in regular COVID testing, get vaccinated or apply for a full-time remote work position. So you've got to very clearly outline what it is up front because people hear vaccine mandate and they hear the first option and it may not be that. Mm -hmm. The second one is who does it apply to? So we assume your employees, is it full-time, part-time, in-person, remote? Does it apply to your contractors and vendors who you work with? What about salespeople who make calls or delivery people who are just dropping something off? Uh, Visitors, customers, volunteers. So not people you employ, but people who are coming into your facilities on a regular basis and interacting with your workforce. So you're going to want to, you know, kind of go through all of these categories of people and say who it applies to. And if it's all of them, great. And then how are you making sure that um, some of these groups are, you know, it's being executed? For example, visitors, customers, volunteers, you know, you you don't have the, you're not going to probably be vaccinating them yourselves. You're not Mm going to want to have their vaccination cards on records. So are you checking that at the door? You know, all Mm -hmm. of these things um, just need to be thought through. Um, Another main component of the policy should be when does it go into effect? Mm -hmm. And that, again, seems very obvious, but uh, you might have different dates for different groups of people. And by that, I mean, we've seen a lot of organizations say, we're going to require this of new hires, meaning anyone coming into the organization, and that's effective immediately, or that's effective in the next 30 days, because that's something that you know y- you can kind of do right now, right? You can just say, okay, we're going to put up this this sort of barrier and say any new hires coming into our organization need to be vaccinated. And then current employees, you know, maybe it's 60 or 90 days down the road to give them a little bit more time. Um, We've also seen organizations ask their leaders to step up first and make sure they're all vaccinated. And then employees, frontline employees can follow, you know, 30 or 60 days after that. The reason being, you are probably going to want to lean on your leaders to help carry this message and, you know, get people vaccinated once you make this decision. And it's going to be hard to do that if you've got a big group of leaders who haven't been vaccinated themselves. And so asking them to kind of step up first and and go through that process um, is, you know, sometimes a good idea. Mm -hmm. Um, You're also going to want to include, you know, what qualifies as an exemption and how do people apply? So you know, under the law, people can be exempt for medical and religious reasons. Mm. Um, there's also some interpretation here, deferrals for, you know, pregnancy or breastfeeding. Mm. Different organizations take different approaches for that. Um, and so just being super clear around any qualified exemptions or deferrals and how people um, can apply for those. You know, what happens if someone doesn't comply? This is a big one, laying Mm -hmm. out that, you know, process, um, who's going to own that enforcement. Mm -hmm. And, and then, you know, there are a couple other things like, 
Where can employees go to get vaccinated? How can they schedule an appointment? You know, make it as easy for them as possible. Um, mm-hmm. Are you allowing employees to take time during work hours to do this? Mm-hmm. Or will you pay for their time if they have to do it outside of work hours? Will you grant PTO or administrative leave if an employee experiences side effects as a result of the vaccine? Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned, Jen, in the intro that um, this can be a, an issue, a, a wedge issue for labor unions. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's something that we've seen unions um, cite over and over again. You know, when they look at an employer's policy, they really want to see that there is some um, something in there for employees if they experience side effects for a couple mm-hmm. days that they're being taken care of. And I want to remind our listeners, that was such a lot to digest, that we will have all of this in the episode companion. So if you're sitting there writing this down furiously, uh, it's all included in the episode companion that you can download. Um, So Megan, one thing that you alluded to was sort of, um, you know, different dates for rollout and things like that. Can a company have different vaccine policies um, for different departments? You know, one for customer facing employees, a different one for internal workers. So great question. And this is probably a question for legal counsel. I imagine the answer is yes, but I would certainly not advise it. Uh, and and maybe there is a world or, or an industry where this makes sense. Um, I think, you know, you, as I mentioned before, you, we've certainly worked with organizations where they've got sort of all these different audiences, vendors, contractors, um, full-time employees, part-time employees, and it's just all laid out in one policy. Mm. Um, It makes it much easier enforcement-wise, certainly makes it easier from a communications perspective, which Mm. is how I'm usually coming at these Mm -hmm. things. Sure. Uh, And and so that would be, you know, my... um, my guidance would be to, to keep it all in one if you mm. can. Yeah. Well, and simple is always better. So so what about remote workers? How, how do we need to handle those in our policy? Yeah. So different organizations have taken a different uh, approach on this. Most often what we're seeing is organizations say, look, if you are a remote worker, let's say you're working in a call center and you are in Utah and the company is in Delaware. Mm -hmm. And there is absolutely no circumstance in which you will ever be expected to show up in our office in Delaware. Mm -hmm. Then you, they might be, you know, willing to grant an exemption or a deferral. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, you know, these remote workers, there's an expectation that they might be called in for an in-person meeting or for for something else and and might be in the facility. And so if that's the case, what we're seeing most often is organizations are saying, look, if there's any expectation that you show up in one of our facilities, you need to be vaccinated. And this this policy applies to you. So should a company's COVID-19 policy be separate from its general vaccination policy? So if an organization has a, a policy in place, can this can that cover this or does it need to be something separate? In the short term, again, this is probably a good question for legal counsel, but I will answer based on what I've seen. In the short term, I think it probably makes sense to keep them separate. And that is because the COVID vaccination policy, like all COVID policies, is probably going to be evolving, you know, over the next several weeks and months because vaccination, COVID vaccine 
vaccines are evolving. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mentioned the the CDC's ACIP committee is actually meeting today about whether or not they recommend the use of booster shots in mRNA vaccines. And so I think once that final recommendation comes out, people are going to have to go back in and edit those COVID-19 policies to include something around, you know, the booster shot and timing of that and when that's required. And so I think that uh, just for, for ease of maintenance, you may want to keep them separate for now. And then down the road, I could absolutely see, uh, you know, a point in time where you kind of combine all of your vaccination policies into into one at some point. So by the same token, should our vaccine policy address customers, vendors, non-employees that come into contact with our workforce? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think if, if there's any group of people other than employees that are regularly coming into your facility, you should be setting that expectation of what of whether or not it's required and by when. All right, Megan, we're going to take some time out for another quick break, and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to the Project HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Oroqua, and my guest today is Megan Mitchell, Senior Communications Consultant with IRI Consultants. We are back. So, Megan, once the policy is written, it must be communicated. Is this always strictly an internal communication or is there a benefit in making this public? Yeah. So, you know, I think this depends on the industry and how your policy is written. Certainly, if there is a brick and mortar component to your business and you plan to require customers or visitors to show proof of vaccination, um, that's absolutely something that you need to be communicating with them before Mm -hmm. they show up, right? Sure. Additionally, if you're a business or let's say a healthcare provider, you may want to share this publicly just to put people at ease who are coming into your your place of work. Um, you know, even if you're not planning to require vaccination of them, we're mm. hearing a lot of patients in, in the healthcare space say they really only feel comfortable going to a facility. Um, if they know that their healthcare provider is vaccinated, and mm. so that's you know something interesting that that healthcare providers are having to to take into account. So I think uh, communicating with the public and anyone who might come in contact um, with your workforce or, or come into your place of business is, is super helpful and, you know, always good to be transparent around things like this. So how do we communicate the policy to employees initially? Like what information do we need to have available to our employees in relation to the, the first announcement of this? <laughs> so the short answer is, as much information as possible. Hmm, And I think sometimes organizations shy away from that because it's so much and they don't want to overwhelm people. Mm -hmm. What we have seen in communicating these policies over the past several months now is, again, people want that level of comfort. There's a lot of anxiety and a lot of questions swirling. And if Mm -hmm. you are able to with the initial announcement that you're moving to a vaccine mandate policy, share the deadline that people need to know for when it will go into effect, who will be exempt, how those people can apply for those exemptions, um, where they can go to get vaccinated, you know, every piece of information that you can mm-hmm. think to include, a robust FAQ document, you know, maybe follow it up with a virtual town hall or some in-person meetings so that they can ask their questions. Because as we know, 
absorbing a lot of written information sometimes. <laughs> you know, we're all in information overload. And so we hear that yeah. all the time. People don't read, we send emails. And so following it up with, you know, a couple different formats a video mm-hmm. message, you know, some in-person meetings we found to be really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. But that would be, you know, my guidance is always to go out with something like this, where you know there's a lot of anxiety in the details, go mm-hmm. out with as much information as possible. We've seen a couple organizations who, for whatever reason, felt like they needed to make the announcement Um you know, on a given day and, mm-hmm. and just kind of get it out there and say, we'll, we'll come back to you with more information. And that has always resulted in employees bombarding them with questions mm-hmm. and sure. concerns and the chatter just kind of explodes. And yeah. so if you can avoid that, do. Yeah, and that's a, a huge drain on the question answerers. So, so yes. one thing I'm wondering about is, you know, with the ever changing nature of this virus, and you you kind of talked about this at the beginning with you know the CDC coming out with information, and then it changes, and then we learn something new. You know, it's it's just ever changing of the nature of the virus, the vaccines in general. I imagine this policy would need to be kind of fluid. So, how often would you suggest we review our policies once they're finalized and announced? Yeah. So. Uh, that's that's such a such a good question. All COVID related policies we have found need to be super fluid, mm-hmm. and just because of the nature of the virus. And so, absolutely, I would say, you know, I don't know if it's a group that's getting together on a weekly basis and reviewing this policy once it's out there. I don't think that's necessary. But as long as you have someone on your team who has their finger on the pulse of what is happening with the virus, what's happening um, at the CDC and the FDA with vaccines, with the approvals, with booster shots um, Mm -hmm. and other recommendations. As long as you've got someone who is sort of feeding that information back to the team and saying, hey guys, look, I think we may need to take a look at our policy and address this. Um, I think that's the most important piece. And I'll give you a couple of examples that we saw just this week. So a lot of organizations, as I mentioned, have been allowing for pregnancy deferrals. You know, Mm -hmm. a couple groups have come out and said, um, clinical groups have come out and said, we recommend COVID vaccination among pregnant or Mm -hmm. breastfeeding individuals. The CDC hadn't yet come out and officially stated that until this week. Mm -hmm. And so where organizations before were maybe allowing for deferrals, some are now going back into their policy and looking at it and saying, okay, we've now got all of these groups, including the CDC saying it is safe Mm -hmm. and, and absolutely recommended. And so do we now remove that deferral? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And another one that I mentioned booster shots, the the CDC's committee um, is looking at this today and, Mm -hmm. and we expect a recommendation to come down if it hasn't already uh, sometime in the next few days. And so that's something that you're you're probably also going to want to work into your policy. Mm-hmm. So our company, IRI Consultants, offers support on vaccine policy guidance. Can you tell us the ways in which IRI has helped organizations address this issue? I know your focus is communications, but I would love to hear a little bit about your work here. 
Yeah, sure. So, you know, we we are focused on the the communications, but it's not just or it hasn't been just the rollout. We've been working with organizations as they develop this, these policies, kind of mm. thinking through all of the um, obstacles that we've just talked through mm-hmm. and whether or not it, it makes sense to to do this right now. And so we kind of help them uh, go through the data and kind of get a look at the the tone of their organization, other things that they're going through or have just gone through. Um, you know, what can your workforce really take right now in terms mm-hmm. of change? And, uh, and then, you know, help them, of course, craft the rollout strategy, the accompanying communications, um, and everything that comes with that. And I want to let our audience know that uh, we do have a vaccine policy guide that you can download from the Projections website at projectionsinc.com. And links to the IRI website, as well as the EOC's new guidance document, will be included in this episode's companion guide. So be sure to unlock that today at projectionsinc.com slash podcast. Right now, though, Megan, it is time for our lightning round questions. And these are questions we ask of every guest of the podcast. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. The first question is always a topic showdown. Now, over the past year, incentives to get the vaccination have ramped up with companies and even states offering amazing prizes to encourage vaccination participation. Now, in your opinion, Megan, which vaccine incentive is the better deal? A free donut every day for a year from Krispy Kreme or having your name entered into a lottery to win a million dollars? I'm going to give a really annoying and unpopular answer here and say, (laughs) I really don't love the idea of vaccine incentives. I think (laughs) the incentive is keeping yourself and those around you safe. But um, having said that, I do love a donut. So, (laughs) Good answer. All right. What's the best book that you've read recently? When I'm not doom scrolling news on the Delta variant, what do I read in my free time? I read a book recently called Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson. And the description in 10 seconds is it's about these two siblings who spontaneously combust. Um, It is as weird as it sounds, but the Uh characters are so good. And I was laughing the whole time. So highly recommend. I love that. We all need a little distraction, right? So tell me, what's your favorite thing about working in communications? Probably telling stories. I like to take a big mess and try to make something out of it. And so, I, you know, I find it very, very rewarding when I get to work with clients uh, who are just sort of banging their head against the wall mm-hmm. about how to either roll something out or you know, just kind of get their point across, you would be amazed at the number of, you know, workplace issues that that we see that are really just a matter of miscommunication or misunderstanding. And so um, helping people kind of figure out how to tell their story is just a a super rewarding part of the job, I I think. I love that. And I I can say on a personal level that I really appreciate working with you. You do such a good job. And the storytelling element of what you do is is amazing. Oh, thank you. um, What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Ever, ever. This is is the hardest question you've asked today because (laughs) I get so much advice because I am constantly asking people to help make my life easier. Uh Um, But I also have the memory of a goldfish. So I, I would say the two... Let me give you two that uh, I'm probably using the most these days. One is drink water and go for walks, which sounds so obvious, but I was not 
paying attention to that uh, at the beginning of quarantine. And mm -hmm. it's such a game changer. Um, if I am feeling anxious or like I can't focus, it's usually because I haven't had enough water um, or I just need to get up and move around for a little bit. So that's been huge for me. And then someone once told me, uh, again, at the start of, of COVID and quarantine, when we were all getting on Zoom calls every second of the day, that they treat every call and meeting like they're, they're going to be quizzed at the end, um, <laughs> which I really loved because, you know, it can feel good and productive to multitask in the moment, but it is so not. And, you know, if I'm answering email and trying to do too many things at once and not paying attention, you know, why, why am I there? Um, I end up kind of phoning in both things that I'm working mm -hmm. on. And so uh, learning to sort of treat every call like it's an in-person meeting, you end up being so much more engaged, asking questions that are meaningful, um, and you feel so much better about how you've spent your time at the end of that hour. So that's probably probably my favorite one right now. That's probably doubly true if you have the memory of a goldfish. <laughs> so <laughs> that makes perfect sense. All right, my last question is who or what inspires you? Oh, that one's easy. My team, we don't get to see each other in person too much anymore, obviously, but every time we do, I have this incredible burst of energy, um, which may also have to do with the fact that I'm an extreme extrovert who now works at home with no one but her dog. But um, our team at IRI is just this incredible group of smart, funny, thoughtful people um, who always have your back and there's just no better feeling. So... That's wonderful. Love I remember at the, begin the beginning of the pandemic, somebody said something about go check on your extrovert, extrovert friends. They're not okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's yeah, true. We're not. It is. All right. Thanks so much for joining me today on this week's episode of Project HR, Megan. Thanks, Shen. Thanks, too, to our listeners. Once again, this is your reminder to grab the companion guide for this episode at projectionsinc.com slash podcast. If you'd like to be on Project HR or you know someone who would, feel free to email us at projecthr at projectionsinc.com. And last, but certainly not least, to make sure you never miss an episode of Project HR, I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast. Drop us a line, leave us a review, or give us a handful of stars wherever you get your content. That's it for me for now. Let's make it a great day at work.